Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. What up and welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I'm your host Kevin Franzen. That is right, the color analyst for your Philadelphia Phillies. Today, let's go to the other side of the media. Let's go to the print media. We're going to meet and talk to Matt Gelb of The Athletic, a great mind, a young mind, and someone that's willing to speak his mind. As the Phillies encounter a, well, an interesting offseason because we got to go through different things that they need. What's going to happen? Let's find out. As winter meetings approach, let's bring on Matt Gill on Pine Tower for Breakfast. In the air to left field, going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball back. Coming down. down. What up? Welcome back to Pine Tar for Breakfast. And I'm going to bring on a writer. He doesn't talk much, but he's with The Athletic, and we like him. He's opinionated and very resourceful when it comes to finding info out, getting everything. That's Matt Gill. Matt, what's up, buddy? I'm pretty good. I'm wondering... What did you have for breakfast after the day after Thanksgiving? Nothing. I mean, did you immediately go into leftovers? No, no, no. no. I, I waited till lunch because I felt like, you know, there's a point where you you have so much food and it's so delicious that you, it's like, don't jump right back in. Give it another no. four hours to marinate in the in, in the fridge and then have it for lunch. Yeah, we, we do our Thanksgiving dinner early. You know, like we do it around uh, three o'clock usually, um, and that usually is because we have you know family that that has to drive to to get there. So we have, you know, you're, there's always an in between mark where like late last night I was like my brother and I were really considering, uh, you know, like another meal with the leftovers, but we decided to pass. And I, I think it was a good it was a good decision. It was a good decision. Well, yeah, I mean, because like, look, let, let, let's be honest here, like the initial stuffing. And I'm not talking about the the meal, the part of the meal that is stuffing, the actual stuffing of yourself is is awesome. Then it like progresses, you know, we we get there. The moment you overdo it, yeah, that's not that's not comfortable. So good choice by you. <laughs> you're you're in East how was like East Coast Thanksgiving compared to cold. your typical West Coast Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was cold yeah. and windy. I, yeah. This wind was a little bit absurd. It was, yeah. Uh but yeah, yeah. no, it was fine. We you know Thanksgiving is being thankful for, you know, the, the, the stuff that you have in front of you. And, and, you know, we're 
lucky to be with together and uh as i was talking to you the other night i was we got our dog back so that that's a huge day we got maze maze was back <laughs> for thanksgiving just in time so uh yeah it was four of us and yeah now i mean like look well, what's the next thing winter meetings it's always after winners. thanksgiving so that's right uh, the phillies have a lot of needs and I, I wanted to get your perspective because, you know, from covering them all year and, and for many years, uh, but for myself covering them all year, you, you know there's certain things in certain areas that they need. It, it's obvious. It's not one of those like, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to have a hot take here. They need another starting pitcher. You know, that, that's not a hot take. We do, know, we do need to know who they need, what they need. Uh, one, two starting pitchers, that's what I think. Two to four relievers. Uh, maybe a catcher, and and the reason why I say that is because with the 26 man, you don't know. Uh, obviously, bench bats, but something that I really, um, it, I'll, I'm going to get in, in, into it with you a lot on this, but for me, uh, minor league depth, and to see how they can create some minor league depth that they don't have. So it'll be interesting to see. So Matt, uh, let's start there. What it or not even there, but let's start with your biggest need for the Phillies this offseason. Well, I think their biggest need is, is 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 an issue because it's it's everyone's biggest need right now. I mean, everyone needs rotation help, and I think the question will be how you know some of these contracts. I think are are going to be. You know, I think I think the the starters at the top tier of the market are, are going to get some some really nice deals as they should. Uh, but I wonder at like what point do the Phillies and other teams look at it and say, do we want to throw X amount of dollars and years at one pitcher, or would we rather take that money earmarked for that one pitcher and spread it to two starting pitchers or maybe even three starting pitchers? And I guess it, it goes to this idea of quantity over quality. And, you know, we've identified this. I mean, they need more than one starter. If it was just one starter that they needed, I think the calculus is a lot easier. It's like, go try to find, you know, go after the four best guys in the market and hope that you sign one of them because you just need one of those guys in your rotation. It's not that simple for them. Um, I mean, I think they should be active at the very top of the market, but I wonder if, if you know, some of these uh, negotiations reach a point where they're like, you know, we need to think about mid-tier guys and, and they might not be the, the, the best names, but I mean, like, for example, a guy like Kyle Gibson who went off the board to the Rangers for three years and $30 million. I know he had some health concerns at the end of the year, but you know, $10 million uh, annual average value for a starting pitcher who might be, you know, maybe he's like a, a mid-rotation guy, maybe he's a four or a three at best. I mean, that's not bad, you know, and I think they need one of those type deals plus probably a, a bigger deal for a pitcher, don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I mean, look, we would all love Garrett Cole. But I think if the the moment you get caught up in in going after Garrett Cole, you're going to lose out on maybe the said you know Kyle Gibson's, uh, the Rick Porcellos, and, and for me like I like a Rick Porcello as one of those guys, uh, and then maybe a Cole Hamels. I do love the fact that Cole is out there. They do need a left-handed pitcher, and he doesn't cost you a pick. So you got two guys right there that don't cost you picks at all, and then let's say you land both of those. Well, maybe you do get greedy. Maybe you go for a third. But I think at the very end of the year, you got to think like Nola, you got Arietta. Eflin pitched 
well enough at the end of the year to give him that, you know, that that look with Brian Price, don't you think? Absolutely, yeah. So, I, mean, I, so, I, think, I think they need they need two. I think they so, conservatively. But but, need but two. the reason why I say three is because you can never have enough. No. And, no. and for for me, uh, obviously a left-handed pitcher I think is huge. They they do need that in in this division. Um, you know, I, we could we could go on for days on that one. But so we're we're in agreements like one two starters, but two would be ideal. And yeah, and I, and I think when I was even talking about the top tier, like you know, the obvious guys are Cole and Strasburg, but I I'm almost lumping, like I would lump Wheeler and Bumgarner into that mix in terms of guys who, you know, because there are so many teams who need starting pitchers, I think you're going to see, you know, I think you're going to see Bumgarner and Wheeler really benefit from that. Uh, yeah, as, I, I agree. Know, they're they're good pitchers, but I think if you're, you know, I think they might get, you know, it, it could come down to the point where the Phillies are like, well, if we sign Wheeler, we can't sign this other mid rotation guy we want. So do we just sign two mid rotation guys? And I don't know the answer to that. I'm not sure, but it's a interesting dilemma that they face. We'll see. Like the Braves, they get you know Will Smith, which is I think a fantastic deal. Not only, I mean, he's been absolutely dominant the last couple of years since his Tommy John surgery. Uh, even before that, I mean, he was really good. Um, but you, they did it, and this is this is where I praise the Braves because they did that in the Chris Martin. They did the O'Day. Uh, they get those guys and solidify their bullpen even more. Shane Green, Mark Melanson, they, and then they got the the host of you know you could go Sean Newcomb. Okay, we could go on. We we know they're they're rich in in, in bullpen depth right now, but they did it so early that I feel like that starter need that they have now, now it focuses on them. Like they got it done. And yeah. And they also and, showed it. They also showed a potential for agents that say, Hey, like, look, like we are, you know, if you, if you had any questions about us being serious about, you know, wanting to take on the nationals and the Mets and the Phillies, I mean, look, we have a lot of young talent here and we're not afraid to, you know, to augment that talent with these aggressive early signings. Yeah. I, I just, I, I find it fascinating. It's just the Braves continue to, it's they get better and better and they were supplemented by a great minor league system and they haven't really delved into that right they haven't really traded away any pieces so you're just going oh man what are they what are they really building here and yeah 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 the first they traded colby allard to get uh chris martin and allard had kind of fallen off a little bit and they traded uh a, a catcher they like uh in the in the shane green deal but you're right they really haven't cracked you know the upper echelon of their farm system and they have a couple players uh, a couple position players specifically who they really like and, and look like it wouldn't be surprising if they if they dealt one of those guys uh this offseason in a deal to to get a pitcher and i think a lot of what they're doing too it's interesting to me they're in a they're a curious spot to me it's like if a deal for a starting pitcher presents itself do they go all in on that and kind of just uh, look the other way with josh donaldson or do you think they prefer to bring back Donaldson and then maybe you know figure out the rotation after that. I, I know there's a lot of question behind Austin Riley and from his hot start to where he ended up, uh, but I think the position back going back to third base where he could, where he came up, he's a natural third baseman. Talking to Jeff Rancourt a lot about him, uh, he says, "Dude is natural over there," um, and we've seen that with so many guys. Like they go back to their position and, and you don't see those lulls. There's that instinct, you know, the instinctual thing that happens. There's that, you know, natural relaxation. Uh, so it, we know what the Braves have, and we know that they have the minor league depth uh, to supplement so many things, right? You know, and, and take on an injury here and there. Um, 
you know, with the Phillies, that, that that's the biggest question, right? I mean, we don't know what they have. And obviously, Spencer Howard and Alec Bohm are, are two guys that are really shown themselves to be incredible. Uh, what do you see, I mean, as far as the relievers, right? I mean, that's the next step. I feel like we, we both have agreed upon that they need a lot of help in the pen. 88 to 92 is not working. No, and it's interesting you've seen, you know, the guys that have come off the 40-man roster since the season ended, all of those relievers were guys who threw, uh, fa- who had average fastballs that were below 92. And all the guys that they've added, and they haven't been, they've just been minor league guys or a waiver claim like the guy Robert Stock from San Diego, they all throw really hard. Those cheese. And, and I don't think this was by accident. I, I think this is something that they have targeted. And uh, look, when they needed minor league help last year and and and, and of course like it's almost impossible for them to suffer the amount of injuries in 2020 that they did in 2019 in the bullpen but when they had to dig deep into that minor league depth uh the internal guys were were, were guys like edgar garcia and jd hammer who showed you flashes but you know just weren't really they either weren't ready or you know their ceiling is probably at best like you know middle reliever i think like a sixth or seventh inning guy and uh, they, they, they needed better depth. And I think, you know, it's interesting that they've started moving a couple guys into the bullpen in the minors, a guy like Jojo Romero, who they added to the 40 man roster, who I think is going to pitch some, some big innings for them in 2020. Uh, you know, once they moved him into the bullpen, he started throwing harder more consistently. He's left-handed. He throws 94 to 96. I mean, that, that, that's going to play. And that's something that they were missing. Um, Adam Morgan's velocity was down. You know, they, 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 they got a pleasant surprise from a guy like Ranger Suarez, but, you know, really a lot of their pitchers at AAA last year who they thought were going to be uh, either rotation help or bullpen help really plateaued at AAA last year. I'm talking about guys like Enio De Los Santos, uh, a guy like Drew Anderson who's not even on the roster anymore, uh, Jared Eikhoff who kind of had flashes there, uh, started the year at AAA, but, you know, had a lot of injuries again. I mean, they just didn't get the kind of contributions they thought they were going to get from those sort of next wave of starters at AAA. Uh, and, and it's important that they get that. And I know they're excited about some of the pitchers they had at AA who will be at AAA in 2020. But uh, I, I wonder if they're just going to attack this thing with, uh, again, qu- quantity over quality. I mean, because they found such a shortage of arms last year where they were basically just looking for waiver claims to pitch big innings for them. Uh, they added guys to the 40-man roster so far who have who have stuff. And, and, and so many times, Kevin, we were watching last year in, in big situations, you're like, man, he really needs a strikeout here, but I, I don't know if he's got the stuff to get a strikeout. And, you're like, I don't and, know if he and, has and, that in him. Yeah, and, and, like, that is, you know, velocity isn't the only key here. I mean, like, if you throw hard, it doesn't mean you're guaranteed to have success. But in the later innings, it's a big-time separator. And in this game where – you know, just putting the ball in play, uh, you know, can lead to great things. I mean, you want to do everything you can to prevent the opponent from putting it in play, and that typically means being able to throw hard. Yeah, and there's a couple guys that, like, I, I, I earmarked for what I would do, a couple of them being, um, you know, 35 years old, uh, Will Harris being one of them, uh, Craig Stam and the other. How about Jake Diekman? I- yeah, I, I like Will Harris a lot. He's a guy that... And Dylan Batances. 
Yeah, Betances is, is, is makes a lot of sense on, on sort of a, a bounce-back kind of deal. I think Will Harris makes sense a lot uh, because uh, he can give you some innings, and he also is a guy who can pitch you know more than three outs at a time. He He's not going to be the guy who's coming in at the end of the game for you, but uh, you know you need someone in the middle there. You need a reliable presence in the middle. Uh, he's pitched in some big games over the last few years for the Astros. He's not uh, – you know, he, he's – He's not the sexiest name, but uh, you know, I, I think I think he could give them a lot, uh, you know, in the middle there. It kind of the, the presence they were lacking. Uh, you know, I, I think some of the, the the biggest guy maybe might already be on the roster. The guy that we're not talking about, you know, is Sir Anthony Dominguez, and, and there's a lot of questions about, you know, what is he going to be in 2020? And, and Matt Clintac, the general manager, has said that. You know, he finished the his rehab fine at the end of the year. They they believe that he'll be all good for spring training, that there won't be any problems. But I mean, you just don't know. I mean, because when he first got hurt, we we heard Tommy John surgery, and then they decided to be a little more conservative with it, and he bounced back from it. But you just don't know. I mean, until he starts ramping up, you know, we've seen this. You've seen this, Kevin, so many times. I mean, a guy, you know, starts ramping back up, and it just doesn't feel right, and, and all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about surgery again. So. If they get a healthy Sir Anthony Dominguez, I mean, gosh, so like that would be a major. That's probably better than any acquisition they can make on the free agent market. No doubt, I I, I couldn't agree more. You're listening to Pine Talk for Breakfast with Kevin Franzen. We're talking to Matt Gelb of the Athletic, and uh, yeah, I I really do think that it's just that one that the unknown is like, yeah, you can get injected, you can rehab it. It's like, but you throw so damn hard, Sir Anthony. That I'm always nervous. Like, we're always nervous with some of these guys that throw so hard, right? I mean, it's just it, it, every pitch could be their last. And and that's what I, you know, you don't want to have that feeling all year. And and I'm sure Matt Klintak and Ned Rice, they're, uh, Joe Girardi, Brian Price, they're looking at guys that they can go after that, you know, for me, uh, fit them. But also, you know, are, are, are a good Band-Aid just in case. You know, Sir Anthony's not there. Yeah, and I think that I think part of that, Kevin, might be why they, you know, all the recent free agent deals they've signed with relievers. If you think about it, uh, the Nishek contract, the Hunter contract, the Robertson contract. Uh, you know, they 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 were good. They worked out for one year, right? If that. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if that has scared them from multi-year deals uh, to relievers because now look, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can build a bullpen. And, and, and it's probably the toughest unit to build because you just have no idea year to year what you're going to get from some of these guys. You, you could have a guy like, for example, David Robertson, who's probably the most durable reliever in all of baseball for the, for, for the better part of a decade. And he gives you, you know, six innings or so, and then he's, he's out for two years probably. So you just don't know. And I, and I think I wonder if that's how they're going to attack this bullpen is just try to get as much quantity, you know, guys with good stuff, maybe a little bit unproven, and just see what they got. And, and it's not, they might not be the best answer to it, but uh, if they do spend a lot of money in the rotation, I think that's what they would do in the bullpen. No. And, and how about another guy like Victor Arano, right? Yeah. Yeah. And seeing yeah. like if, if he could get back to certain ways and we know like he missed so many bats in, in 18, uh, end of 17, 18, all that stuff. And you're looking at him and you're going, wow, this, he's a dude. And then we saw obviously the things creep up. Uh, Edgar Garcia was not what we thought, uh, but is there time? Absolutely. Um, I, 
the Jojo Romero one and, and Sir Anthony Dominguez, they're very interesting when you bring those up. And it, it's because they're from the system, number one. Uh, and then you bring in the fact that Vince Velasquez or, or Nick Pavetta could be uh, two guys groomed to go to the pen. And it's I, – I, do you get the sense that in, in talking and listening to Joe Girardi – like there's obviously we from afar and playing against him and you know that there's an authoritative figure there and he's not going to take you not being for the Phillies. He's not going to take, you know, oh well your feelings are uh, are are being hurt. I, I got to pull back and and hope. No, he wants you to win and he wants you to be successful for the Phillies. Do you, you sense that's a little different now that that Joe's here? A little bit and I think I think you're going to see it manifest a lot in the bullpen. You know, like I think you're going to see a manager and a pitching coach who have, you know, more defined roles for a lot of these guys. And and, and we've debated the, you know, the the uh, the virtues of having a role or not having a role for the last few years. And I think in some circumstances it works to not have roles. Like if you're late in the season and you're in a pennant race in September, you know, you might need your best reliever to come in the game in the fourth inning or the sixth inning or the seventh inning for the toughest spot. I don't know if that's something that you can do for a 162 game season. And, and I think you're going to see a lot more uh, patience applied, uh, maybe more, I don't want to say traditional ideas, but more conventional uh, ways of managing games. I mean, I think you're going to see less uh, panic, uh, uh, you know, just a little more rigid structure. And I think that can benefit the relievers more than anyone. I mean, I think there was some confusion sometimes in the last few years about, you know, when to be ready or, 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 or when someone might enter a game. And for relievers, it's for some guys, not every guy, but for some guys, it does matter. I mean, they, they have a way of getting mentally and physically prepared for a game based upon when they think they might be getting into the game. And, you know, sometimes they were told they'd get in early and it's still, it, it was hard and a hard adjustment for those guys to make. So I do think that it's possible more defined roles will be there in 2020. And I think, that could benefit some guys. And that's not saying that I'm against, you know, bringing in your best reliever in the toughest spot when it warrants it. I just don't know if like a Tuesday night in June might be that time when it warrants it. Yeah. I mean, we saw it in, in the world series, but it was again, the world series, like you said, uh, with, uh, uh, the closer from, uh, the nationals. Yep. Daniel Hudson. He come in, he, he came in like the sixth inning. You're going, I, and it was a bases loaded situation. It was ideal. You're like the fact that he was on board already, right? He was ready to go. I love that. That that that, that to me said everything. Uh, a guy that we're not talking about because we've talked about you know uh, Spencer Howard just in general and, and Alec Bohm and, and the possibilities. You know those guys we know they're coming. But a guy like Connor Siebel, you know, could he be a guy uh, that comes up and, and provides maybe a, a you know as a reliever. He's been dominant as a as a starter. He goes to the fall league this year and just absolutely lights it up. Uh, Seventeen innings, seven hits, twenty two strikeouts. Does he have they talked about like a possibility of one of those guys going to the pen to become a a, a dude there? I you know I heard a lot of good things about Seabold. I think they want to keep him uh, in the rotation because they he has a couple good secondary pitches they like. He's kind of low nineties, you know, probably like a back of the rotation guy. I, I see him staying as a starter but I, I see you know i mean it's possible that he ends up giving them starters innings uh in the majors this year i mean he got two reading last year he didn't throw a lot of innings last year he was hurt so they had him make up some innings in afl i don't know 
what the total innings he pitched was for the year. But in that similar vein, a guy who might, you know, a starter who might become a reliever and, and, and make an impact in the majors, I think Mauricio Yovera could be that guy. And, and he was one of the guys added to the 40-man roster. Stocky guy. I don't know if you've ever seen him throw maybe Kevin on the backfields, but, you know, like. Backfields, they don't do that. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's good to go, you know, get a different look at things. It's actually that's actually one of my favorite things to do in spring training is just to kind of like wander to the backfields and have no idea what I'm going to be looking for, and maybe I find something, maybe I don't. But I don't know. It's usually you know fun. me. Anyway. Like if if I wander, it's it's good night. Like I'm not I'm not good <laughs> at wandering. I just I, I get caught up because so many of the minor league coaches that I've known for so long, uh, you know, I, I I get talking to them, and and then you you end up not getting all the way far, you know, as far back as you want. Yeah, and you're just like, man. I... Uh, yeah, but no, Yovera's got a huge fastball, you know, and, and he's a stockier guy. He's not a big dude. Uh, he had some injury problems also, so I think they'll look to limit his innings, and that's why I think you could see him ultimately be a reliever uh, in the minors and or the majors uh, sometime in 2020. And and he's a guy, you know, who who reminds me uh, in, in terms of path similar to Dominguez, mm. you know, a guy who who was a starter for most of his, you know, for almost his whole minor league career through a ball, uh, you know, then, then really flashed a, a plus plus fastball that made them think about it and had some injury problems. Dominguez had some injury problems in a ball. And so they're like, look, you know, it, it's kind of now or never, you want to develop a guy as a starter as long as you can. Uh, but at some point the, 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 the pitcher and the need kind of outweighs that. And I think you might see that with Yovera, who's a guy who, you know, who, who should definitely be on, on the radar, I think. All right, so some decisions need to be made by Monday night or Monday afternoon. Big decisions. Well, I'm going to say, is it night? Because now being on the East Coast, it's nighttime for, for me. Those yeah, I know. You're, every, everything's, you know, football starts at 1 o'clock and 4 yeah. o'clock. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I don't have yeah. to wake up and, and, and hurry to the state, you know, the TV to watch <laughs> uh, any football. I got all day to do it. Um, <laughs> so non-tender candidates and – I think many of our favorite, uh, and not favorite of being non-tender, but favorites just in the clubhouse is, is Mike Franco, and uh, we know what he's brought to the entire uh, Phillies franchise. But you know, there's fits, and does he fit? Does he not fit um, for the price? And and what do you see with him? A guy like him, a guy like Cesar, Vincent, and, and Pavetta. Are those would those be four guys that you would see as being non-tender candidates? Well, I, I don't think Velasquez or Pavetta uh, are non-tender. Right. I think I both those guys are there. back. Yeah. No, both those guys are back. Um, Franco, look, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear. I, I think they've been trying to trade him now uh, all, all offseason, and I don't think they've really asked for much. And my guess is that sometime on Monday, Franco uh, gets non-tendered. I mean, it's going to be a disappointing end to, you know, what – a Phillies career that, that, that should have gone better. You know, I mean, he showed us flashes at times where you're like, wow. I mean, he's, he's, he's not going to be an all-star, but he's going to be a really solid everyday third baseman. And it just wasn't there enough. And, and, and it's a shame that it didn't work out for, for both sides. Cause he was a homegrown guy. Uh, and, and it's, it's disappointing. Now the Cesar Hernandez question to me is a, is a truly fascinating one because in recent days we've seen other teams, uh, either release or non-tender uh, comparable second baseman who would be making less money uh, in 2020. And I'm thinking about the White Sox and yeah. Yolmer Sanchez. Yeah. And then the Orioles and Jonathan Villar, who was probably their 
their best player last year. Uh, both those guys and are obvious ties with obvious ties with with Clint Tack with the and, Phillies, yeah, and, and the Phillies yeah. initially. Wow, yeah. that's right. Was it him and yeah. Domingo Santana? And uh, and uh, uh, Jay Happ. <laughs> somebody else. Yeah, but no, there no. was. I mean, because there were two Astros deals, and I always get them. Yeah, you know, there was I got the Oswald you. deal, and there was the Pence deal, and I always get the o, the Oswald deal was uh, was VR Hap and Goes. Oh, that's I right. Think. Yes, Anthony Goes. And then and then the Pence deal was uh, Singleton, Cozart, and Santana. I think. I hmm. think. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, those two guys getting non-tendered, and I'm not saying that those guys are better than Cesar Hernandez. I don't I don't know that they are. VR might be. VR had a, had a, had a solid year, like a, a really solid year. But they were both projected to make less than Hernandez. And Hernandez, man, I don't know. Like It's, it's, it's interesting because uh, I don't know that Gene Segura is going to be playing shortstop for them in 2020. It's possible that he's playing either second base or third base or maybe half of his time at shortstop, half of his time at third base. You know, obviously you've got Scott Kingery who, whose best position would be second base, but they want to give him the flexibility of perhaps being their center fielder or their third baseman. You know, you enter this whole other thing into the equation is that Bohm, you know, might be their third baseman at some point in 2020. So it's like, well, do you go out and get a, a big time third baseman who blocks him? Or do you maybe try to just, uh, come up with a makeshift arrangement for the first few months and then move guys around. So I, there's a lot of variables on the infield and the first real domino to fall here, Kevin is, is whether they decide to bring Cesar Hernandez back. And, and I don't know what they're going to do. I've asked a lot of different people. I think there's been, uh, you know, I think there's been a good healthy debate about it inside. Uh, you know, I think when you look at Cesar Hernandez, you look at a, a he's just a he's a good, not great player. And I think, you know, what 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 do they value at second base? Do they think he can improve at all? You know, he'll probably cost about 11 million. Is that money that they could use somewhere else? I, I don't know. Um, if I had to guess, pure guess, they bring him back mm. just because they they they're not in a position to to get rid of a player who who could be productive for them uh but i think if i was making a decision i would probably look to move on i think just because you know we've seen the good and the bad of cesar hernandez and the overall package to me is, is a guy who's like a solid and nobody uses this term anymore a solid like second division regular i think he's a solid everyday player i just don't know uh given their situation like whether he's the right fit for them all right, so I got a couple guys that uh, if you look at, and this is all projection uh, based on uh, many websites, so possibilities of non-tenders of other teams. And I, and I just want yes or no on would you, if you were the Phillies, bring this person on? Charlie Culberson. Oh, I mean, he'd be a terrific bench player. I, I doubt – do you think the Braves will non-tender him? There's a well, possi- there is a possibility. Yeah. They they have the again the they have depth yeah. and and the youth that they have uh you know coming up uh they could they could yeah so I so I like the Josh Harrison signing a lot you know yep. they signed, the Phillies signed Josh Harrison yep. in a minor league deal and look like look he's clearly not you know the Josh Harrison of old you know in his prime with the Pirates but like you said we're talking about a 26 man roster this year and, and Josh Harrison uh you know could be a really solid uh, veteran bench guy for them in the in the yoke of Charlie Culberson who you know, has been one of the better bench guys. So, yeah, I mean, if we, yeah, you got to absolutely take a look at him. Um, do you think he gets a major league deal if he gets an on-tender? Uh, 
if he gets not tendered, I'm giving him everything guaranteed. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Okay. We'll see, because he was my like little. I, I'm not gonna say. Oh, no, you're biased. Mentor, but you're biased here. Yeah. You're when biased. I when I was injured in 08 and he was around, he he and uh, Nick Noonan would come over to the house. I'd, I'd give him dinner all the time, make him dinner, because uh, they're 18 years old, and and Charlie's coming from Georgia, so it's like he was. Whew, he was a fish out of water. So, yeah, I was trying to help him out, and I love the kid. He's amazing. Uh, Steven Souza Jr. These, uh, are, all, so these are all possibilities. This is yeah, why. so many, so many injuries. You know, if you're bringing a guy who, you know, you want to be sort of death, uh, it's hard because he, he he's had so many injuries and so many just horrific injuries also. Jerks and Profar. Uh, see, this is a good one. I, I think Profar fits – uh, if they move on from Hernandez, yep. if they move on from Hernandez and then you're looking at Segura playing either second or third, and then maybe a guy like Profar or a guy we haven't talked about, DD Gregorius, you know, is your shortstop, you know, and maybe you, you, you jostle guys around, uh, Profar is, is an interesting guy. I'm, I'm, he's a guy that I've already written down on my list here to kind of keep track on, uh, Monday to see if he, if he gets tendered or not. Travis Shaw. Uh, down year, uh, would be willing to buy low on him Yep. because when he was good, he was really good. Really good. And uh, a good depth and, and piece. If, right. If anything, he's, he represents really solid depth and could be that kind of stopgap guy we were talking about for the first few months of the season. You know, while, if, if you think Alec Bohm is your guy, you know, come June 1st, a third base. All right. Another, st- n- uh, this is another one that I'm glad you said that a little stopgap, but. Uh, last two years, marred with injuries, but came up like this guy can rake. Uh, 16 and 17, he had 59 homers. I'm talking about Jake Lamb. Is he going to get non tendered? There is a really good chance because of his injuries and because of what he's projected to make. Uh, yes. So, again, a good buy low guy, but, it, but you know. I just wonder, given that everything that happened last year, if they're like hesitant on you know a guy with a, a spotty track record in terms of injuries to bring someone on like in guaranteed money that way but uh he makes a ton of sense i i bet you there will be like 20 teams that are interested in jake lamb you know as a bounce back kind of guy right like an incentive laden contract yeah so interesting yeah i need, gosh i didn't even think about him okay an and then there, there's two uh two more i have left on on that one uh, it might not happen, and we know what the, the baggage is, and it's extensive, but a guy like Addison Russell. Mm, that's a tough one. That would be tough, especially if they're going to draw a hard line, you know, with, with the Odubel Herrera situation. Uh, and, and that's why I bring not. it up. I mean, but it is, you know, they're, they're trying to upgrade at shortstop. Would he be an upgraded yeah. shortstop? Probably, yeah. Okay. Uh, Blake Trinan. Yeah, so his he's he's going to get traded. It sounds like I don't think he'll get non-tender, but it sounds like he'll get tendered and traded because the A's are trying to, to to cut some payroll. I mean, again, if you're looking to build a bullpen uh, without long-term commitments, you know you're going to have to take some chances on some guys, and this that's the kind of guy. I mean, like, are his numbers last year what they were the two years before that? No, absolutely not. But he's the kind of kind of guy you take a chance on and say relievers are crazy. <laughs> like maybe he has a bounce back year. Uh, I don't know that he'd be making a ton of money and he'd be on a one year deal. So, yeah, I mean he makes a lot of sense. I mean I think if the commitments are on one year, uh, you know guys like Ian Kennedy with the Royals, a the guy they were looking at last year at the trade deadline, those kind of guys I think they'd be willing to take on some of that money if it's in a one year commitment, 
in terms of bullpen guys. That voice you hear is Matt Gelb of The Athletic, at Matt Gelb. I am Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen. This is Pine Tar for Breakfast and more with Matt Gelb. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a guy that 17 and 18, like when he got traded from Washington to Oakland, he ended up, and you go 18, 118 in a third innings and 78 hits. Yeah, he was insane. He was insane. And he, like, obviously, so you, you get a Blake Trine and you know you're going to get a great dude. He's an awesome human being. Uh, so that that would be a, a one that I would look at. more. I know that he he's going to get traded uh, more likely than, than the non-tender, but he's the guy that, I mean, if they could figure out a way, just find a way to get that power seeker in there, I, I, I think would be huge. Um, okay, so as we, we took on that, and, and I say that because – um, with the Cesar and the Mikey stuff, um, you know, you brought up the DD Gregorius and that that's where all this was going to lead to is, is guys that they could pick up, uh, you know, that are free agents that after the fact, after that, you look at who they non-tender and who gets non-tender by other teams, uh, DD Gregorius would be number one for me. Uh, now I'm probably different than you. I would give him two years. I know that most people would say, why would you do that? And I know he, w- he would rather take one year than two years, I'm sure. But where, where do you stand on Didi Gregorius? Well, I think if it takes two years to get him, then, then yeah, I mean, you might have to give him two years. I mean, you can, you can kind of stick to your guns and, and not, you know, uh, and only offer what you want to offer, and you probably won't sign many free agents. So yeah. I think if it takes two years to get him, then I think it's something they should really consider. And, and like you said, Kevin, I, I think – it's hard right now because I want to see what they do with Cesar Hernandez. If they non-tender Cesar Hernandez, it's very clear to me that they'll be looking for at least one, maybe two more infielders, maybe a stopgap kind of guy, like I said, for third base. But uh, I, I, I would be really interested. To, there's so many different combinations right now they could have because, again, Segura might play shortstop, probably won't play shortstop. Kingery could play second base. He could play shortstop. He could play third base. Bohm could have a dynamite spring and they're like, well, we, we got to carry this guy. I mean, maybe not, but who, you know, maybe he does, or maybe he comes up on May 15th and, and, and he, and he's your third baseman. So, or maybe they like Mike Moustakas so much that they're willing to move Bohm to left field, or they're willing to include Bohm uh, in a trade for a rotation piece. I mean, I think there, everything is still on the table. I know, you know, it feels like we should have something resolved by now because free agency has been open for almost a month now, but this is not how it works anymore. But uh, there are so many different combinations possible here. And, and and a lot of them, Kevin, have me keep coming back to a guy like Didi Gregorius. He makes a lot of sense for this team uh, because of the position he plays, because of the kind of production he brings, because of the leadership and the presence he brings, because of his familiarity with Joe Girardi. He could be an advocate for Girardi in the clubhouse. Not that Girardi will need one. It makes a lot of sense, especially if it's a if it's a short term deal, which it sounds like Gregorius wants. Uh, the shortstop market, there's not a lot of teams that are out there looking for shortstops right yeah. now. This could be a great chance for them to to kind of uh, pounce on, on on a wonderful opportunity. Uh, I think if you see them non tender Cesar Hernandez, I think that tells you that they are really serious about DD Gregorius. Yeah, and no, I look. I mean, we all know. The more the merrier. The more shortstop-like guys you have in your infield, the better you are. The more range you can cover. And a guy like, you know, Scott. If you think about it, Scott Kingery, uh, 
Didi Gregorius, Gene Segura. I mean, that that's an infield that has a potential to cover a lot of ground and, and make up for the lack of range that Reese has over at first base. So I, I think he makes so much sense. And they don't have a lot of you know guys that you want to trade uh, to go out and get a shortstop. Okay, so no. I mean that, and that's the biggest one today on MLB.com. Glad we were talking about this because, you know, the the outlier in this whole thing is the the Francisco Lindor. Okay, if you were to say Gene Segura, Alec Bohm for Francisco Lindor, would you say yes? I mean, I would say yes, but I don't think the Cleveland Indians would say yes to that. See, and and MLB.com said the Phillies would would, would say absolutely not because yeah, of I, Alec. I, I, I disagree with that. <laughs> Yeah. I, I I disagree with anything that regards like the Phillies receiving a guy like Francisco <laughs> Lindor. Like, can you, no, can you... no, no offense to whoever came up with that hypothetical, but I hope it wasn't Zalecki. I, mean, I don't. I, I, I would crush I him. Too. Although I would, yeah, we would make fun of him. But Actually, no, I, I hope I, it was. I I I if that, if they if the Indians called me with that. Uh, with that scenario, I would uh, I would say yes in a heartbeat. Now, I know Lindor, his contract situation, uh, I don't care. Uh, he's Francisco Lindor. I mean, j- we saw it at the very end of the year. I mean, we saw just how special he is. Like, we know the bat. We know that. How special he is with the glove. Uh, you know, another gold glove. Uh, just it, he He's beaten out Angleton Simmons twice now. Yeah, so that's Who the, the hell like, does the that? Problem. The problem with all these hypotheticals, like a, a Lindor hypothetical or, or a Chris Bryant hypothetical, is that it probably has to start with Spencer Howard. And and I don't think that that's a path the Phillies want to go down. And, well, and I, would, I, I wouldn't start that. with Howard at all. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, but the hype, if you're an acquire, if you're if you're the Indians or the Cubs, isn't that the guy you start with? Yeah, but I mean, I, I just I I can't. I I just yeah. Well, that's why I don't think they're going to be able to get either one of those guys. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that's I a good that's, that's a good call on yeah. that one. Because I mean, yeah. look, those teams that that do that, they, what is the one thing they always covet? It's pitching. Yeah, yeah. And there we go yeah, again with the minor league depth and adding and and making sure that when you draft, you're able to develop. And if you could develop, the better you are as a franchise. Like it's great to have the position players, the you know signing Acuna and Albies, uh, the Rileys. But I mean, just the Ian Andersons of the world. I mean, you, you, we, we saw the rights and the, all that for the Braves. You're going, man, they got some dudes. They got yeah. some pitching. It's not just so much about the, the front end talent on the offensive side. They have arms up and down the system. You're like, damn. Yep. When's this going to end? <laughs> anyway. Well, it's a, it's a major issue. The Phillies face right now. Yep. Well, uh, the issue that we don't have is, uh, you coming on to my podcast on the pine tower for breakfast. And I appreciate it. Yeah, this means I'll probably have to have you on my podcast eventually. But well, yeah, you know, maybe... you already you already put Scott Fransky on there, so it's all it's all good. It's all good. I did, I did. Are you are you doing like the whole spring in Clearwater? Oh uh, yeah, do... I'm gonna be down yeah. there the entire spring. Uh, I'm gonna be recording my play by play like I did last year that nobody heard until the Cleveland Indians series. Uh, <laughs> it was good. It was good it's for not having job. done it since spring training. Hell yeah, it was good. It's a hard job, man. Except for the the Bryce Harper three run home run to right, when he hit it, it sounded terrible, and I was like, "Yeah." And uh, Puig on the way back, and he's uh, well, he's looking back. That ball's gone. And I was like, think "That was about, the most anticlimactic, like go ahead homer." I'm trying to think about all the guys who pitched for the Phillies in that weekend series, and I'm wondering if any of them are still on the roster. 
was, nope. That was I don't it. think so. Was, I, I'm just like, a, I'm thinking about it right now. Like, I don't think so. That was a forgettable uh, weekend series. It was. But you know what? With as much pain as some of these, you know, last couple years have given as far as certain games and the and guys that you have to endure watching, look, at, at some point, we're going to benefit from it. Well, you're going to benefit. Of, of being of being a fan. I mean, Absolutely. If, if you're, you know, I think why, you know, it's, it's, it's sweeter for the fans who, you know, who see those, those dark days, those days where you're just kind of wondering why you're watching, but that's, to me, that that's part of fandom. I mean, you, you have to be there for both, uh, both sides of it. No doubt. Well, Matt, I appreciate you coming on to Pine Tar for breakfast. You can reach him at, at Matt Gelb on Twitter. He is of The Athletic. I am Kevin Franzen. And this has been another great episode because I'm on it and Matt's on it. Of Pine Tar for breakfast. Peace! Kevin Franzen out of here! Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.